you could see a sweat stain under his arm. And that could have been because of the hot lights. It could have been because he's on TV. But I also think it's an indication of how nervous he was. He was on literal video being abused and denied being a victim. Y'all, you deserve professional hair color that makes you look your gorgeous best delivered right to your door. You can take your hair coloring at home to the next level with Madison Reed, and it starts at just $22. Women have had two options for coloring their hair for decades. That at-home color you got out of a box that's outdated or going to the time and expense of a traditional salon. Many clients of Madison Reed comment on how their new hair color has improved their lives. Women love their gorgeous, shiny, multidimensional, healthy-looking hair. This is game-changing color you can do at home. And you'll look like you just came out of the salon. Madison Reed color is unique because it's crafted by master colorists who blend nuances of light, dark, cool, and warm tones. And they create over 55 gorgeous multidimensional shades. Find your perfect shade at madison-reed.com. Best case, worst case listeners get 10% off plus free shipping on their first color kit with code BESTCASE. That's code BESTCASE. Hey y'all, it's Francie. I have some really exciting news. You can now listen to our back catalog and new episodes of the show completely ad-free on Stitcher Premium. In addition to our ad-free episodes, you can also listen to tons of other ad-free Wondery shows. Plus, with Stitcher Premium, you'll get access to hundreds of hours of original content, audio documentaries, and exclusive bonus episodes from some of your other favorite podcasts. You can sign up now for a free month of Stitcher Premium by going to stitcherpremium.com slash Wondery and using the promo code Wondery. Then once you're signed up, just download the Stitcher app for iOS or Android and start listening. That's stitcherpremium.com slash Wondery and promo code Wondery. Hello and welcome to Best Case, Worst Case. This is your host, Jim Clemente, former New York City prosecutor, retired FBI profiler, and writer-producer of CBS's Criminal Minds. And with me today is... Hi, Jim and everybody. It's state and federal prosecutor, well, former anyway, Francie Hakes. It's great to be back in the studio with you. So are you former Francie Hakes or former (laughs) prosecutor? Either one. I don't know, Jim. I'm so excited to be back in the studio with you. I can't even think straight, I think is what it is. That's it. Yeah, well, as you should be. Yeah, of course. Um, So we're going to continue our coverage of the case against Michael Jackson. And we know it's a controversial topic. But we are absolutely dedicated to informing people so they can make better choices about whether or not to believe the people that have come forward and told you in great detail about being sexually victimized by Michael Jackson, groomed and sexually victimized. Well, we've talked already, Jim, about uh, Maureen and I talked a little bit about indicators of veracity. We went through that for our audience of uh, Wade Robson and Jimmy Safechuck. You and I talked last time about your own personal experience with this case. That is specifically the case against Michael Jackson that was brought in criminal courts here in California, and that ended in an acquittal. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about 
uh, Jimmy and Wade and what you saw in their interviews after the documentary with Oprah and what you have in common, a little teaser here, what you have in common with them when it comes to Oprah. Sure. Well, I want to start out by saying that when you look at the behavior of Wade Robson and James Safechuck on the post-Leaving Neverland interview that Oprah Winfrey did with them, there's something that's very dramatic that I think everybody probably saw. Maybe they didn't understand fully, but Wade Robson seemed much more composed and relaxed and open about what he was discussing. Whereas I really felt that James Safechuck seemed shell-shocked. He at times looked like a deer in the headlights. At times looked to me as though he was wanting to get up and run away. And I completely understand and relate to that. But I also want to point out, and, and it's a small thing maybe to some people, but as relaxed as Wade Robson was, there was a very touching moment at the end when Oprah hugged each of them, and then they hugged each other. And I don't know if you noticed, but when Wade hugged James Safechuck, you could see a sweat stain under his arm. And that could have been because of the hot lights. It could have been because he's on TV. But I also think it's an indication of how nervous he was. It's a very difficult thing sitting there and having all that very intense scrutiny on you and your life and how you've handled things and having to explain your behavior when your behavior doesn't seem very explainable. And I totally related to that as well. And you know, it took me 10 years to come forward and tell the police what and the FBI what happened to me when I was a kid. And it was very hard for me to reconcile that because when you're in yourself during that time period, you think you're growing up. You think you're, you know, every year you are, you feel like that is grown up. I'm a man. You know, why didn't I do something? Why didn't I stop it? Why didn't I see it coming? All these questions that you barrage yourself with. And I could see James and Wade sort of wrestling with those issues as well. And some things Oprah brought up in the interviews. She asked them about specific things that I thought it was a very well done interview by Oprah. But I think that Oprah too had to be dealing with her own demons because certainly she had a very close relationship with Michael Jackson. And certainly Oprah was sexually victimized. She's talked about that many times. She's done over 200 shows, I think, about sexual victimization. So she's a, a pretty good expert herself in the field, but yet she was groomed. Well, so let me ask you, let me back up a little bit, Jim. I want to ask you this question. It's going to be a little controversial. In my experience as a prosecutor, I, I have to say I prosecuted far more sexual abuse cases where the victims were girls than boys. Statistics tell us that children fail to disclose sexual abuse in massive numbers. So it's disclosed anywhere, surveys tell us, in 10% to 25% of cases where it happens. That's all we get from children. So for every 100 times a child or every 100 children who are sexually abused, we actually only get a report from anywhere from 10 to 25 of them. That's mm -hmm. it. The other 75 to 90 of those 100 
never tell us or don't tell for a really long time. Surveys tell us that boys who are victimized, the numbers are even smaller. They come forward even less than girls do. And I wanted to ask you about that. You're a man. You're a survivor yourself. I think it's really part of our society, but I want to get your opinion on it. I think part of the reason that Jimmy and Wade are being so attacked now is not just Michael Jackson's celebrity. It's the same reason people discount what Corey Feldman says. They're men. This is very um, unmasculine somehow, people think, or people say, or in the back of their minds, they believe. If a boy was abused, they would either fight right then or tell someone right then, because boys are just tougher than girls. They're not going to take it. So there's no way they're telling the truth about something that happened to them so long ago they would have told then. Can you talk a little bit about those dynamics? Well, it's grooming. It's it's not... All right. People who groom, people who have the skills to groom, understand that this is a way to control victims and their guardians or families and the communities around them. People who don't have the skills to groom children, they abduct children. They assault children. And they get caught. And they get caught because all the alarms go off as soon as something like that happens. These people are much more insidious. They control a child's behavior by grooming them. And everybody thinks they know what grooming is. Let's talk a little bit about what grooming really is. Sometimes it's showering kids with attention, affection, and assets. Sometimes it's getting a child to do a tiny little thing that they know is wrong, saying bad words, looking at dirty pictures, cutting school, driving a car when they don't have a license, going into movies that are R-rated, looking at pornography, talking about sex. Once an offender gets a child to do something like that, something they know is wrong, the chances of that child running to their parents and saying, mommy, daddy, mommy, daddy, I did this bad thing. And then this bad thing happened to me are minimized to almost nothing. Well, that's right. Because children understand that, or at least the grooming makes the children believe that their initial conduct, whatever it was, is so bad that they cannot recover from the conduct that happened after it. Right. And then, all right, so that's one aspect of grooming. Another aspect of grooming can be building a, quote, loving, bonding, trusting relationship with the offender. In other words, the offender causes the child to look up to them and love them. Children have a natural need for nurturing. Nurturing is holding and being close and cuddling. It's totally non-sexual. But what offenders do is use that child's need for nurturing and pervert it into a sexual thing for the adult. The next level is when they do that, a child can sometimes experience pleasure from that. And that reinforces that arousal pattern and that pleasure pattern in the child's brain. So they feel it's my fault. And I know Wade Robson and James Safechuck both mentioned, like, how do you reconcile that? This pleasuring thing that they know is wrong or weird or strange and that they're being told by Michael Jackson, if the world found out about that, they would both spend the rest of their lives in jail. Well, 
he was right about one thing. If the world found out about it, Michael would have spent the rest of his life in jail. Instead, he basically spent the rest of his life running away from his crimes. And I believe that's one of the reasons why he couldn't sleep at night. I believe that's one of the reasons why he got so heavily into drugs. I believe that he understood fully that he was, in fact, hurting children. Well, I think that's part of the reason why he was self-mutilating, why there was all that hatred, clear hatred of who, of how he looked and who he was, because he knew that inside he was hurting people. Who he was was damaging. He was a very handsome guy and trying to blame it on Vitilago is complete bullshit. I'm sorry, complete bullshit. That has nothing to do with the shape of your face. No. It has nothing to do with who you are as a person. And one of the things I always do, by the way, when I see images of people who actually have vitiligo on on social media, I always try to like that image because one, it supports that person. It says you're not a freak. Just because some of your skin is a different color doesn't mean that you're some kind of freak that people shouldn't look at. And I want to support them. Michael apparently had that disease. And the reason why I say that is because both Gavin Arvizo and Jordy Chandler described a patch of skin like that on the underside of Michael's erect penis. And they both described a way that Michael approached them with that. And it was incredibly consistent between the two of them. And again, that's cross-corroboration, but it's also corroborated by the fact that Michael claimed he had vitiligo. So why would they see that part of his anatomy if he wasn't engaged in exposing himself to them and grooming them and sexually victimizing them? No, well, that's classic corroboration is when a child describes the the body of the offender in some way or the event in some way that is outside what they would have ordinarily been able to experience except for a sexual relationship. Okay. But what I want to ask you, Francie, is how the hell did the defense in Michael Jackson's case bring Wade Robson and Macaulay Culkin in as witnesses, defense witnesses in a criminal trial? How did that happen? Because just the fact that he didn't commit a crime against person A doesn't mean that he didn't commit a crime against person B. It's a mystery to me, Jim. I remember because I was a prosecutor. I was a young prosecutor at that time. And I was absolutely horrified because in Georgia, where I started as a state prosecutor, in Georgia, you can't do that. You can't bring in evidence that you abused, that the allegations you abused these five people and we're bringing in these other 10 to say you didn't abuse them. Therefore, you couldn't have abused the five. It's It's not allowed. It's unbelievable. It's not allowed. It's unbelievable because that's like saying to a murderer, bring in the entire live population of the planet. Right, because you didn't kill any of them. You didn't kill them. So obviously you didn't kill this person. It's just ridiculous. And I remember wanting to ask this of his attorney. Tom Mesero on Crime Time about that, but really not wanting to call out Wade Robson at the time. Of course. Because I did believe Wade was a victim. I did believe that he was still sort of in the grooming trance of Michael Jackson. And I did believe he wanted to maintain his manhood by sticking up for Michael Jackson. But I couldn't believe that Mesero was able to convince 
a judge to allow that kind of testimony to come in. It's to me, well, it's, it's absurd. It's California and California is crazy. There are other states in the country too that do it. I, I don't understand it. It shouldn't be allowed because it's so distracting and wrong. Especially when they're celebrities. Well, of course. And can I just say too, that this whole idea of uh, abused um, boys and whether there's a difference in boys and girls, and I'm, I'm not, not sure about that. I don't know. But there's a very famous case. I'm not going to mention the children's names now because they're all adults. It was a case out of England and a stepfather abused uh, two stepsons and a stepdaughter of his for years from the time the children were five or six or seven all the way up until they were 10, 12, 13, Mm -hmm. et cetera, and filmed it. It was a very, very famous and still is child pornography series because there were so many images that were trafficked in far-flung places all over the planet. Mm -hmm. So when a case was made against this stepfather, two of the children, one boy and one girl, testified and talked about it. The third denied being a victim. Mm -hmm. His brother and sister said he was a victim. He denied being a victim. He was on literal video being abused and denied being a victim. And as far as I'm aware, at least as just a few years, as of just a few years ago, he was still in denial as a grown man that this stepfather ever abused him. Can't face him. it. Can't face it. He just That's can't it. face it. Yeah. I mean, and it's the thing horrible. is, right, he's a victim and we can't force him no. to admit that. I mean- who knows what what defenses he's worked up in his brain? But clearly, that's what Wade Robson was doing. That's what James Safechuck was doing. And I believe a number of other of the boys that Michael Jackson slept in his bed with, I think they're still doing it. But Well, hopefully one day we'll know the full truth. Right. But it doesn't mean if he didn't sexually victimize one or more of the boys that slept with him, It doesn't mean that he didn't sexually victimize any of the boys that he slept with or that he spent time with and traveled with and groomed and had over playing games and watching videos and so on and so forth. Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done, ZipRecruiter.com slash best case. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ziprecruiter.com slash best case. That's ziprecruiter.com slash B-E-S-T-C-A-S-E, ZipRecruiter.com slash best case. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Well, I do want to also say in the last, when Maureen and I recorded our episode about this, 
uh, I talked about Corey Feldman because at the time we were recording, Feldman had come out publicly against Wade and Jimmy and said nasty things about them and accusing them of merely coming forward for money and defending Michael Jackson and saying, well, he never abused me. And I was horrified and I really took him to task in that podcast. And about the between the time when we recorded it and the episode dropped, Feldman put out some sort of a retraction and, and said that he thought better of it. And I think he might have apologized. I'm not sure exactly. Whatever it was, the damage was done. He was one of the early um, sort of accusers or calling Wade and Jimmy liars. And I think it was damaging to them. And what I worry more about is it's damaging to children now. Right. Children right now who are being victimized or have just been victimized see that kind of behavior from other people who right. are accusing these guys of being lying and they're only out in it for the money and they couldn't have been abused or they're there to blame in some way. It's going to prevent them from okay. coming forward. Right. You're right. And I'm glad that Corey at least stepped back his statements. And I'm glad that Barbara Streisand at least stepped back her statements. I don't know if Diana Ross stepped back Not her statements. Not that I've seen. But what's great, though, is that Wade Robson is now a hero. James Safechuck is now a hero. That together, they're supporting each other. Yes. I mean, Wade coming forward and telling his story, telling what happened, was an inspiration for James. He gave him the strength. It made him realize, hey, I could do this too. I can actually tell what happened to me as well. And I don't have to basically cower in the darkness. He had made the decision and he told Michael, I will not testify for you. I will not be used by you again. Michael threatened him, according to James, with perjury. Well, the only way he could have perjured himself was if he actually was sexually victimized and lied about it. Michael, that's an admission that you know you were sexually victimizing James Safechuck. Give me a break. No, listen, Michael Jackson, shockingly, is a terrible, was a terrible, terrible child abuser. There's just no two ways about it. And like you said in the last episode, Jim, like you, I grew up in a time when Michael Jackson was the biggest celebrity in the world. In fact, when I was a high school cheerleader, we did, uh, you know, like a halftime show to Thriller. And we learned that full dance and we performed it. And we were thrilled, so to speak, with it. Everyone loved Michael Jackson. And so, What we are learning today, what you've known for a long time, and what I certainly suspected for a long time as I became a prosecutor and understood these issues, is something that everyone is trying to come to terms with. But for people to go rushing out and accuse these children of lying simply because they don't want to believe that a great musician is also a child abuser, well, first, they're catastrophically wrong. They're making a mistake, but they're hurting victims. Right. And that's what you and I talked right. about in the Kavanaugh hearings. Right, but we We're also said, right, the whole Me Too, the whole yeah. Me Too yes. movement. Everybody said, well, you have to believe victims. Well, wait, those same people are not believing these victims. However, what we correctly corrected that statement to be is you have to not disbelieve victims. Yes particularly just because of who the victim is or because of who the offender is. That's what you have an obligation to do is don't disbelieve victims. Interview, get details, find out what the story really is. Look for corroboration or refutation. 
And only then should you be making a determination. Right. The fact is, everybody, because Wade and James were so forthcoming, everybody now has plenty of information, graphic information about what happened. Those details help to corroborate those statements. They cross-corroborate each other and the way in which they are delivered and the emotion and the affective and the geographical information that's provided and the progression of events and how they affected those boys who are now young men. All of those details help us to form a better picture of what grooming is. And I'll tell you this, don't be fooled that it only happened because Michael Jackson was an icon and an entertainer. This is happening right now in your communities, in your schools, in your sports teams, in your clubs, in your organizations, possibly even in your families, in your homes. People who are sexually attracted to children find very insidious ways to worm their way into your life and your love and your trust, and they take advantage of that. They look you in the face and they take advantage of that. You, as a person who is associated with kids, parenting kids, guarding kids, teaching kids, coaching kids, you have a responsibility to one, not take advantage of children, sexually or otherwise, and two, to protect the children in your care from it. One of the ways to do that is to make sure that you educate yourself and that children are educated about the threat. I always say this. If you live on a busy street, do you protect your children from the dangers by not telling them that it is dangerous? Or do you walk them to the corner and tell them to look both ways? Discuss how cars can't stop in time if they can't see you, if they don't know you're coming, and you tell them to wait for the light to change and look both ways, and you hold their hand and you walk across the street with them until they can safely do it on their own. I'm telling you, and I think Francie joins me in this, you need to discuss sex and sexual victimization with your children from the time they are born. The earlier you start, the easier it is for you to get over the huge mountain that it takes when they're older to talk to them about sex. If you discuss it with them early, you are actually helping to insulate them and protect them. The Well-Armored Child by Joel Castaix is a great book to teach parents how to armor their children with this information. We do not protect our kids by keeping them naive and innocent. No, never. Sex and talking about sex is not bad for children unless it is done in an exploitive way. What you have to do is figure out a way to come to terms with it yourself so you can then talk to them. Don't talk to them with all these hangups. Don't talk to them with fear in your voice. Talk to them with love and support, just like you would talking to them about learning about their ABCs or learning about nature or science or math. It's just another life lesson that they need. And we make it, and especially in this country, make it such a taboo topic that all it does is set up children to be victimized. And I want to stop that. I want to prevent that from happening. And the best way to do it is to start with a foundation 
as soon as you start talking to your child, whether it's in the womb or out, talk to them about their bodies, about natural things like sex, and talk to them about being wary about people who want to take advantage of them sexually. No, absolutely true. Arming your child with knowledge, the kids are their own first best line of defense and you have to arm them or they can't defend themselves. And so I teased at the beginning, Jim, that you have uh, something in common, well, several things in common, but something in common with Jimmy and Wade uh, having appeared on Oprah. Hmm. You have an Oprah connection. So let's talk about that. Well, in 2010, Oprah did a show in which she invited 200 men from across the country who were victimized as kids. We were all in the audience and we, she did a show and then said, you know what, I'm going to do another show. So she did two shows in a row and maybe even a third one, but she had us all standing there in the audience holding up pictures of what we were like when we were the age we were victimized. and. I was on that show and I remember Tyler Perry came to that show and it was great to see somebody, a man of his stature to come forward and talk about what happened to him. And it was great to see him supporting the other 200 other men in the audience. And it was powerful and disturbing hearing the stories of some of the guys that were there, but to be able to stand up on national and international TV and be able to say, I'm not alone. Uh, It was a wonderful event. I applaud Oprah for doing it. And she sort of revisited it really quickly when she interviewed Wade and James. Uh, She showed a clip from it and and we'll post pictures from that clip. Uh, But the fact is that it is a turning point in your life, when you can stand up and say, I'm no longer a victim, I'm a survivor and a thriver. And what was really interesting about me being on that show was I had a massive heart attack one month to the day before that show was filmed. And although I was going to be much more of a part of that show as an expert, uh, that kind of fell by the wayside when I had had this heart attack. But I survived the heart attack and I was recovered enough that my doctor let me travel to Chicago to shoot that show. And and uh, I might be able to find the picture of me uh, talking to Oprah about that fact. Uh, And I told her, you know, I thanked her for doing the show, but I also told her it's a miracle that I'm standing here talking to you. So for a lot of reasons, um, I am really indebted to Oprah for doing that show, but I was also really glad to see that it brought a connection between my personal life and experiences, my professional life and experiences, and the life and experiences of a lot of people who grew up knowing and and loving and admiring Michael Jackson. And I just want to let you know, one of the most difficult things about this, and I think Wade spoke about it a little bit, and maybe James, is separating out the good of people from the offending behavior of people. And I have had to do it in my own personal life because the guy who offended against me taught me good things. It was a period of my life that I didn't even want to think about for a number of years. I didn't want to go there. I didn't want anything 
that associated me with that time and that person. Good or bad. Yeah. I just got rid of it all. And that was a mistake. Uh, And it was when I was watching a one-man show. I can't remember his name. Hopefully, I will. But I was watching a one-man show about a guy who was doing a show about being victimized. And in the show, he says to the guy, I wonder what I would have been like if you were the honest, trustworthy, loving man and mentor that I deserved rather than the offender who manipulated and abused me. And in that moment, I thought, wow, I can actually take back my childhood and I could actually think about, yeah, if that didn't happen, all these wonderful good things that started out good, but turned really bad and dark. I'm just going to play them out like they started out good and stayed good. And it really brought a smile to my face for the first time thinking about that time period of my life. And I would encourage other people who were victimized out there to do the same thing, to excise out the bad parts and keep the good parts and grow with them and think about them and live with them. And I hope Wade and James are able to do that. And I hope Michael Jackson's other victims are able to do that. And I hope people who were victims and are now survivors are able to do that too. Well, I just want to thank you, Jim, but you and Jimmy and Wade and Gavin and all of the kids that I knew in my career and everyone who's had the courage to come forward as an adult because it's so important to make sure the public understands so that we can protect the next generation of children. And what you are doing in your career now and advocating, continuous advocating for children is important in that effort. And I hope that our listeners will take that. We often get people say, what can we do? You know, how can we support kids? How can we in our own lives do it? Jim has had a great discussion with everyone today about what to do with your own children. But there's also supporting the police, supporting child advocacy centers, supporting rape treatment centers like the one here in L.A., supporting the Crimes Against Children Centers of Georgia, supporting all of these centers in your state and your local communities that are helping children. And getting involved and getting educated by organizations like Darkness to Light. Yes. And Stop It Now and Safe for Athletes and MaleSurvivor.org. Please look up their sites. Read the information there. Get involved. Donate. Make this part of your life, and you will be helping to protect children, not only in your family and in your community, but around the world. Well, thank you for listening, and there will be more on this topic. And unfortunately, this is a crime that will continue. As I said, it's going on in your communities right now. Root it out. Talk to kids about it. Make sure they know they have a safe place to come. Make sure that it's okay for your children and your students and kids in your charge to come to you and use the words. Because if they're not allowed to say sexual words, how are they going to tell you about what happened to them? Or what grooming is going on right now? If kids know what grooming is, they can tell you about that and maybe never be victimized in the first place. Hope so. Well, thank you for listening. Until next time, signing off. Best case, worst case.
Best Case, Worst Case is an XG production. Produced by Jim Clemente at Empire Studios, L.A. Engineered and edited by Mike Thal. Music composed and performed by Simba Sumba. And hosted by Wonder. You can listen to Best Case, Worst Case on your favorite listening app. We are on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to do something about child sexual abuse, Darkness Delight can help. Did you know that more than 90% of the time children are sexually abused by someone they know? Jim, this isn't about stranger danger. It's about learning the true risks. Darkness to Light's training can help prevent, recognize, and react to child sexual abuse in your community. When you make the decision to get involved, kids can be protected. It starts with you. Visit www.d2l.org to take the training and learn more. That's d2l.org. the number two, L, dot org. <laughs>